All right, you were sounded like you had too much joy, so I'm not going to let you sing anymore. All right? I'm going to calm you down, and I'm going to preach to you, okay? Uh, you will get to sing more, don't worry. But uh, doing a little different this morning because of our topic. Uh, we're going to let uh, the little ones take off to go to a little church right now. And workers, when you hear us singing again, if you want to bring them back up, you can. If you're having fun with them and having joyful time together down there, keep them there. Whatever you want to do, workers, you're in charge down there in Little Church. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the joy I sense in this place. As as we sang those, those two songs, just seemed like the joy that started strong grew stronger and for that we give you praise because joy is a special gift from you and father I pray that uh, you'll bless the workers as they're with these children in little church and as they begin to teach them the word of God father I pray you'll be with me as I Break your bread, the word of God, with these that are still in the worship center that will hear what your spirit has to say to us that we can capture and put into our lifestyle and then share with others that we might be a blessing to others. Thank you, Father, for what you're going to do today. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're going to continue our uh, our time of Advent and celebrating. And last week, you know, that we, we celebrated the, the love. And today we're going to go into joy. Let, let's remind ourselves, though, of what Advent is about. And they're going to put a PowerPoint slide up to remind you that, remember, Advent is about waiting. We're waiting for the next step of the journey and we're waiting that Christ will return but we also remember that Advent's function is to remind us of what really is important and the third part of Advent that we remember is the fact that it reminds us of the part in the process that we have in Advent it is about waiting for him to come and bring us the most precious of gifts. And, and it is really understanding the importance of that, what's really important. But we also play a big part in that. So let's remember that as we continue to go on through our study of Advent. Um, and as we unpacked it last week with love, and we talked about what, love meant to God and what it means to us, what it can mean to others. Today I want to kind of unpack the the concept of joy. Joy is what I want to kind of unpack to you. And I want you to remember uh, this, that that joy, joy is not a commodity that can be produced or sold or bought. But even more important, it can't be stolen can't be taken away from you when God gives it to you. Joy is a gift, and it is a gift from God. Turn to Galatians chapter 5. You know this verse very well. 
talks about the fruit of the Spirit because joy is part of the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit is singular because all of these are components of the fruit. And listen to what it says there in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. I loved what Joseph Marion says. He says, joy is the echo of God's life in us. And I find that an interesting definition. Joy is the echo God's life in us when we know Him and have that relationship with Him. And it's important to always remember that it it really is a gift. But there's another definition of of joy I want us to see, and that's going to come up here on the screen here. It's, It's a longer definition, but I love it. Joy is a delight of the mind arising from the consideration of a present or assured possession of a future good. Think about that. Joy is a delight of the mind. It starts with the mind arising from the fact that we think about we have something special and there's even more to come in the future and it is assured because of Jesus Christ. I hope you grasp those two definitions, both by what Mr. Marion said about it being an echo of God in our life and the assurity of what we have because joy is a gift from God and you can't muster it up and produce it. But joy is different than happiness. And we often get confused with that. Happiness... Happiness happens when everything's going good and we like what's going on. Uh, this past Friday, uh, I went down to, uh, to the Wichita area and was uh, with my, one of my daughters and her family. And, and uh, her uh, youngest child, a son, he, he's excited when Papa comes for a short visit. Because for some reason, Papa doesn't like what his mother makes for breakfast every morning. So Papa always brings donuts. And so he was happy. Papa's here. We're going to have donuts tomorrow morning for breakfast. But guess what? He got up the next morning and the donuts were there. He wasn't happy. Because he had done something earlier in the week. And mom and dad said, sorry son, but that one special cartoon show you love on Saturday morning, you're not going to be watching it because you weren't obedient. And I couldn't even get a smile out of my grandson. Waving a donut in his face. The kind he likes. That's happiness. It comes and it goes. If things ever, everything's okay, I'm happy. If it's not, I'm kind of unhappy, and sometimes I'm just downright ticked off. Joy's not that way. 
Joy is a gift of God that He puts in your life by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the world doesn't give it to you and the world can't take it away as an old chorus goes. And we need to understand that, that joy is a journey and it keeps, as we celebrate Advent, it just keeps getting more exciting and more exciting because we're getting closer and closer to the time of experiencing the best of joy when someday we will get to see our Savior face to face. I want you to go back to Isaiah. We're going to start in Isaiah. And last week I finished up the message with Isaiah chapter 40, and that's where I want you to turn again, Isaiah chapter 40. And last week I ended the message talking about the last verse. And today I want to go back to the first part of chapter 40, and I want us to look at the first part of that uh, chapter. Now, I hope you'll take the time today to go back and read chapter 38 and 39 because there's some interesting things going on in the life of Hezekiah. And uh, Hezekiah has all of a sudden got a terminal disease and he's going to die. And uh, he prays a special prayer to the Father. And the Father says, tell you what, 15 more years. I'm going to give you 15 more years. Wouldn't that be a breath of life when you had just been told by the docs, you're about to die, and, and uh, the father says, no, nope, 15 more years. And he really kind of gets excited about that, and some, an envoy from Babylon comes and, and saying, hey, hearing good things happening to you. And he says, yeah, let me show you all that has happened. And then a word comes from the Lord. <clears throat> Hezekiah? probably was not the best move to show a neighboring country how wealthy and good things are here. And by the way, the day's coming and that'll all be gone because they're going to come and take it. Now, isn't that a joyful word? But he finishes up that 39th chapter saying, but at least I'll have peace and security while I'm king because God has promised me that. And it, and it happened that way. But look how he, uh, Isaiah then opens up chapter 40 because this immediately following that encounter is a post-war declaration. After Babylon comes, here's what's going to happen. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare, or another translation, hardships, it is ended and her iniquity is pardoned that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. So this post-war declaration that he shares here, he says, listen, let me speak to you tenderly, but also let me help you to prepare for the coming of the Lord. Because he goes on to say in verse 3, A voice cries in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, the rough places a plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now in Hezekiah's day, you would never anticipate the king coming and just sit there and wait. You're waiting for him to come, but in preparation for him to come, and that's what this part of the chapter is talking about, you prepare the way 
for the coming of the Lord. Remember, Advent is also reminding about our part in the process. And what he's saying there, he says, look, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway. Every valley shall be lifted up. Every mountain and hill be made low. Uneven ground shall become level. And the rough places a plain. He says, listen, if you're preparing for the Lord, we're going to knock down the mountains and take that stuff and put it in the valleys. We're going to level this highway out. I heard about a man today that had a vision that when he retired at age 65, he felt like there was a need for a highway from where he lived to another place 200 miles away, and he petitioned the government to build one. They said, no, we're not going to do it. And he said, then I'll do it. And with a wheelbarrow and a tractor, he began building a highway. When he passed away, he had made nine miles of highway by himself. Had 191 left to go when he died, didn't quite finish it, but he got started on it. And that's what we're talking about. We start now, we don't wait for the future, we start now. And just as, as um, Isaiah told the nation of Israel, prepare, do your part. I think the application for us is that we do our part here as well in preparing the way for the fullness of joy to come. We've experienced joy when we come to know Christ as Lord and Savior, and He puts that joy in our heart by the power of the Holy Spirit, but we begin to make it flow more and more by preparing the way for the Lord to come when the ultimate joy will come when we see Him face to face. And I think that some of the practical applications that I see from preparing the highway, knocking down the mountains, filling in the valleys, making the roads smooth, making it ready for the king to walk upon, is that we begin to declutter our lives of some of the material things going on, not so much possessions as I am talking about activities. You know, the one thing that just overwhelms me in, in our society, and it's just getting worse and worse, we are so busy that we not only fall into bed exhausted, we get up exhausted. I'll never forget that day when it dawned on me so clear and my daughters were teenagers at that point and we were planning a family vacation and I said, so where do you want to go? What do you want to do? And they huddled and they turned and they looked at their mom and me and they said, we want to stay home and we want to sleep. Huh? And they said, Dad, we're tired. Middle school and high school wearing us out. <laughs> and soccer, and ballet, and everything else going on at the church. Let's get rid of some of the clutter. Sometimes the most righteous thing you can say is no. No. Love what you're doing, but I'm just going to not do that. With all the stuff, remember, we find out what really matters and what doesn't matter is part of Advent. And I'm not saying those things are bad. 
I don't think my daughter's being involved in the church activities were bad for sure. Being involved in soccer, being involved in ballet, and all, nothing wrong with that. But sometimes we just need to say no and just kind of declutter and learn to slow down. That's biblical. And sometimes we also have to get rid of the mental part. We need to get up in the morning and just fix our minds on the fact that, hey, I have joy in my life. Lord, let it flow. Let it flow. Let it flow. And sometimes we also need to get rid of some of the obstacles that we put up in our life where we just say, this is what I want. And we just need to prepare the way for the Lord. Because Advent is a journey in joy toward greater joy. The day is coming. I, I love the story of, of Leo. I wrote it down and I'll do my best to get his name. Buscaglia? I don't know who he is, but boy, he's got a terrible name. I'm glad it's my name, McIlvain, is not hard. Leo, his first name remembers the day his dad came home. His dad had a different countenance about him that day. And he sat the family down and he said, I need to let you know, tomorrow I'll be going down and we'll be filing bankruptcy papers. Our world has caved in. My business partner has taken all of the funds and he has left town with no forwarding address, and I'm stuck with the bills. Kind of a bummer of a way to start the evening at home, right? Leo says, I remember my mother getting up, and she walked back into her bedroom, and she got her jewelry, and she headed out the door, and she sold her jewelry even that night and went to the grocery store and bought a feast of a meal to prepare for the next day. And when she came home with all of that, they said, what are you doing? We are bankrupt. And you're selling your jewelry to oh, a feast? Listen to her words. The time for joy is now when we need it the most. Not next week. And that's what I'm talking about when I say remove the obstacle. Sometimes we just need to understand we need joy now. Today's the only day we have. Let's experience the joy that we have now and let God provide more of it and more of it day after day after day. Let's use what he gives us today for the glory of God today. And that's what I want us to do here through the scriptures. Is I want us to begin to realize that we can have joy now. And I want us to look at some of the scripture references that deal with this. And we're going to put them up on the screen so you can jot them down in your, your, your uh, uh, book.
bulletin there if you want to. It's just the references, but I'm going to just go through them at this point, and, and I hope you'll jot that down, but I hope you'll really listen, and I hope you'll also turn in the scriptures to them. So let's, let's go to Nehemiah. First of all, go to Nehemiah. And, and uh, Nehemiah, uh, basically chapter 8, we're going to be in chapter 8, uh, in verse 9, but let me kind of set it up. They have finished rebuilding things, and, and here's what was going on. They were having a worship, basically, that day, and Ezra the priest stood up early in the morning, and he read the word of the, of the Lord, the law of the Lord, and he read it. I mean, you talk about uh, a boring preacher... Early morning, the scripture says, he stood and he read. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. Now, even if you make a, hey, and all the people gathered at the one man square. I don't, he read from early in the morning till middle of the afternoon. And the folks stood during that time. And guess what they did at the end? They wept. Not because they were tired and he was boring, because they heard the word of the Lord and they said, we have not been obedient. But listen to how they followed up that. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 9. And Nehemiah who was the governor and Ezra the priest and scribe and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had wept as they heard the words of the law. And then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord, and do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Father is your strength. Go on over to Psalms. Psalms 92. Psalm 92, beginning with verse 1. And it says, It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare the steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night, to the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. And at your works of the hands, your hands, I sing for joy. That's what I heard going on here just moments ago. Because of the works of his hands and what he is doing, you are singing with joy because of what he has been doing in your life. Go on over to Habakkuk. Here's one we don't preach from very often. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17. This one will bless you. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the oil, the olive fail, 
and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. In other words, translation, when your entire life is falling apart because nothing is going right. Verse 18. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Why? He answers it in verse 19. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's, and he makes me tread on high places. Folks, see the difference between happiness and joy? Listen, when your world is falling apart, joy is still there because it is a gift of God that he brings to you through your salvation and your relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ and what he has done. Don't let the world try to rob, it, rob you of it. It can't. But you can smash it down to where it doesn't flow. That's why we need to get rid of the obstacles. And no matter how good or how bad or how in between it is, we celebrate. We rejoice. We let joy erupt in our life. Go to Matthew. Chapter 28. We're going to go to the end of Jesus' life. Matter of fact, he's dead now. He's been buried. And we get to the first part of chapter 28. And the Sabbath has passed now. And the ladies go to the tomb to anoint the body because they didn't finish doing that because he died so quick to the beginning of Sabbath. And look what it says in verse 5. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen. And he said, Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and what? Great joy. Great joy. He is not here. He has risen. He has overcome death. He has overcome the grave. And we go with great joy. He said, go tell the rest of the disciples be full of joy. Let's go to the beginning of the story in Luke chapter 2. We just heard it earlier. Those shepherds out on the field taking care of their sheep. All of a sudden, there are angels around. That'll freak you out. And listen what they said. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy which shall be for all the people. Not just you shepherds. Not just for Mary and Joseph. Not for the nation of Israel. But for everybody. This is great good news of great joy. 
Go on to John chapter 15. Jesus, right before his death, he's meeting with the disciples and he's giving his, his discourse to them and some of the last words he's saying before they, they go celebrate the, the supper. And look what he says in verse 10. Jesus talking to the disciples says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And these things I have spoken to you that, you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Don't you like the word full? Isn't it nice to jump in a car and the gas tank is full and somebody else paid for it? Isn't it nice to go open the refrigerator door and see food because the refrigerator is full? Isn't it nice to go to the bank and say, I think there's been a mistake. My bank account is full and I thought I was bankrupt. Isn't full a good word? These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Oh, don't scrimp on joy. Don't scrimp on joy. Go to Romans chapter 15. Paul's starting to bring to close this letter to the Roman church and he's been talking about the example of Christ and look what he says in verse 8. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. By the way, if you're not Jewish, you are a Gentile. And therefore, as it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. And then James chapter 1, verse 2 and 4. James writing to the church says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Count it all joy so that you won't be lacking in anything. And then 1 John chapter 1, verse 4. Paul, a refugee to speak, so to speak, on the Isle of Patmos, writing a letter to folks he loves. And look what he says in chapter 1, verse 4. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete that kind of sounds a little selfish doesn't it but if you look back at verses 1 through 4 you see it's not look what he says 
that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen, with our eyes with which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. John was saying, listen, I've seen him. I've touched him. I've experienced his transforming work in my life. And I've shared it with you. And now we all get in on it when we receive that gift. And it makes me full of joy because you have experienced it. And now I want you to go and share it with somebody else so that you can be even more full of joy. And I like that, more full. Remember how good full was? More full of joy. Well, you see, our part in the process is not sitting here and praising Him only. And we're getting ready to do that. And that's part of it, but that's not all of it. It is also going and sharing with others. And that will increase our joy. I don't know if you've had the experience, but I have. To be there and see God work through me where He saved somebody's soul simply because I shared His word. It's all about Him. He did it through His Word by the power of the Holy Spirit. But I got to be the tool in His hand. And there is nothing more joyful than that. Today, do you know Him? Because that's where it all starts. You receive the good news and then you share the good news. Let's pray. Father, speak. We're here. We want to listen. We want to be obedient. So as we listen, you speak. In Christ's name.